I am happy to announce that the winner is All About Eve. Parasite. Kramer versus Kramer. Chicago! West Side Show. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. One flew over the cuckoo. Shakespeare in Love. May I have the envelope, please? It is Monday. April 9th, 1979, we are at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in beautiful downtown Los Angeles, and Johnny Carson is hosting the Oscars for the very first time. He will be back a few more times over the next decade. It is time to name the winner of the 1978 Oscar for Best Picture. The envelope, please. And the winner is The Deer Hunter. And there you have it, The Deer Hunter. Here we are, Rance. We're on a Monday again, and I'm very glad the Oscars are no longer on Mondays. Thank God. Um, all right, yeah. tell me about this ceremony. Actually, Johnny Carson. J- Johnny Carson's hosting, and there was one year that he made a comment about them being on Monday because Johnny Carson was very famous for always having a guest host on his Monday night tonight show mm-hmm. um and that's and one of it like jay leno was a frequent guest host obviously because he later took over the show um joan rivers was a really frequent uh, guest host wonderful wonderful and so um like there was one ceremony where he made a comment like uh, about how he was actually working on a monday night um <laughs> uh <laughs> but um yeah johnny carson's here and he's he's continuing kind of in the same vein as Bob Hope, you know, that Hollywood insider that also is kind of an outsider. Unlike Bob Hope, he does not make movies. He's not an actor. Um, but he still has that insider status because he's interviewed all these people. He, like, is part of the crowd, but he's not in the movies. So he has enough distance that he can really make fun of it. And it's not, like, affecting his career, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, Very true. So he uh, he comes out swinging... He has a couple of really, really good lines. Um, he has a one that I think is pretty famous. He says, uh, so I am very thrilled to stand up here tonight and gaze out on this glorious throng of beautiful people. I see a lot of new faces, especially on the old faces. That's <laughs> <laughs> so classic. <laughs> and um, there was one more that I really like that I, I wrote down here. Um, uh oh yeah um that's right it's time for two hours of sparkling entertainment spread out across four hours of television (laughs) (laughs) i love that see this is what we need we need like someone to start hosting again who does like talk shows who deals with celebrities all the time someone who's used to that like banter that back and forth it's just like a very casual comedic presence that's what we need that just like it immediately puts you I guess sort of like at ease. Yeah, you feel taken care of. You know it's going to be a fun time, you know? Yeah, and it's We've just been missing that lately. Nobody's taking it. And like right off the bat, it's still a big deal. It's the Oscars. You don't really have to add much reverence to the Oscars for it to be a big deal. But but we aren't taking ourselves too seriously either. Like it provides levity to have the right person. 
Oh yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is still a bunch of rich people giving each other gold statues. You know, you have to sort of have that level of, (laughs) like, separation from it to make it funny, you know? And enjoyable, entertaining. You really do. Yeah, You do, you do. Um, Especially in a year that is as heavy Mm. as this year. (laughs) Yes, very true. Oh god, yeah. Heavy, heavy year. Heavy. This you is may just wonder, the year of Vietnam. You may wonder why they nominated a comedy, and you watch the nominees, and you're like, "Oh, that's why they nominated a comedy." There was nothing yeah. else to laugh about. We have, like, this year. Remember that we actually are capable of laughing when we watch a film. Like sometimes that's okay, people. I promise it's okay. <laughs> I just like. Um, um, ugh. I um. I I don't know. This is a depressing year, guys. This is depressing. We're going to get into the Deer Hunter in a minute. Let's let's yes. start things off with some snubs. I have some very okay. fun snubs that I want to hear your reaction to. My first one is my absolute favorite. I this is in the best supporting actress category. I okay. think Stockard Channing was snubbed for Grease. I <laughs> fucking I love Rizzo so much, and she's. So good. Just for her number. Right. Her one number. Like There are worse things I could do than go with a boy or two. That's it. That's enough of a submission. Like, yep, valid. Give her a nomination. I think she is so good in that movie. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make a confession here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did not actually watch the movie Grease until I believe I was 29 years old. Okay? Um, wow. An age I believe you've yet to see. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this was a couple of years ago, and I saw it for the first time at the Grease um, sing-along at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, my God, um, yes. Where Frenchie introduced the movie, and then we had... Um, pom-poms and uh, other like interactive things to do it was sure. the best way to possibly watch the movie because you can't you can't take the movie very seriously oh um, no <laughs> and I really have to, I don't know if the movie has a good message <laughs> or um, a message <laughs> in general <laughs> or a message or if it's aware of the fact that it probably isn't giving a good message right. um, uh and I will say, like, as weird and probably not great as it is, uh, Grease 2 does have a very good message, conversely. Right, yes, yes, yes. Which I, and it also has... Michelle Fiverr. Not comparing the two. It has <laughs> Michelle Fiverr and um, and uh, uh, Maxwell Caulfield, who I think may be the hotter couple, I don't oh, know. Oh, absolutely. He is beautiful. <laughs> he is. And, like, I don't... I, I think, singing-wise, Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta have them beat. But oh. um, but I, 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 I will defend Grease, too. There's also a bowling scene in Grease, too. So, you know, I'm a bowler, so that's all about that. True, um, true, true, true. Or I like to think of myself as a bowler. I, like, average, like, 120 pins. I'm, like, decent. Um, that's pretty good. <laughs> You can crack a hundred. Good for you. I wouldn't be like in a. I'm in a gay league. I wouldn't be like in a professional <laughs> league. You know, but yeah. I I consistently get to about 120. Um. So uh. So there's all of that. But Greece 
is all about Stalker Channing's performance in that movie. That is the reason I am there for it. That is why I buy the ticket to watch it again if I have to. Um, and I would just go on YouTube and watch her um, her song over and over again. Also, speaking of Stockard, I would love for Stockard to have an Oscar, A. B, she does have an Emmy, a couple of them, actually. And um, I believe she won an Emmy uh, in the 80s for a, a TV movie um, that is a very, like... Uh, very important TV movie in history because it is, and let me just check the name real, real quickly. Um, the one the TV I'm movie, thinking of? Um, not the 1980s. I, I don't, it's not the 1980s. She, she won um, an Emmy, two Emmys in one year. Yes. Um, and one of them was for the Matthew Shepard story. Yeah. Um, it's really so, good. It's a great TV movie, heartbreaking it's movie. It's really good. But um, so very important in, in LGBTQ history, though. Yes. And, um, and she also won an Emmy for one of the greatest TV shows of all time, The West Wing. Oh, and yes. might I say, when I binged The West Wing, because I didn't watch it when I aired, I watched it later... When I was binging the West, West Wing, I was quite upset um, when I would happen on a... Because uh, she's only in the opening credits for the episode she's in. So I would wait to the opening credits, and if Stalker Channing wasn't in the opening credits, I was like automatically less enthusiastic about that episode because <laughs> yeah, for she sure. was my favorite <laughs> character on the show, and she's only in about half of the episodes, but every scene she's in is absolutely yeah brilliant yeah she's um, wonderful we uh, had uh, a deal that's a lot yeah. that she and on top okay. of that she's also a tony winner so she's like she very is. close so she, we she, need i don't her know if she's a grammy or not yeah i don't and think she, she has a grammy. a grammy she doesn't no, have a, but, but we could give her the triple crown and that's all she needs <laughs> that's it i mean you know but she can sing so i she, she could get a grammy can sing i could stay home She could yeah. get a Grammy. She's and flawless. If no, I the uh, Grease yeah. soundtrack had won and it had if Grease's soundtrack had won a Grammy, like that would have counted true. for her too. It's too That's bad. true. So you're it's saying you bad. agree with my snub. You think Stalker oh should be. Oh my in the god, <laughs> Sam, I'm obsessed with her. You are one hundred percent correct. Like I love Stalker Channing. <laughs> okay, I love that. Let's see if you're as on board with my next snubs. Okay. My next one is in Best Original Score. And I think Halloween should have been nominated. I love the piano score. I think it is so famous. I think it is like, I think it it is as famous and recognizable as the Jaws score. And the fact that like um, John Carpenter wrote this score in like three days by himself, just like, plucking something out just to get a score for the movie because they had no money to like hire somebody to do it i think it's super impressive i, I mean love like the score good lord he did everything on that movie everything you know? and it everything. is like it's it's famous in part because it has two gazillion sequels but <laughs> um including another one which is coming out this fall 
Um, uh, Halloween, also called Halloween 2. It's very confusing. But right. it's not a remake of Halloween 2. It's just like the new Halloween was a direct sequel to the original Halloween. Like all the other Halloweens didn't happen. And now right. we have Halloween 2, which is like technically a third in a new trilogy, including the original film. <laughs> anyway. Right. Um, yes. Follow all of that. Um, but Jamie Lee Curtis is there, so I'm on board. Um, and uh, I um, I really like, of, of the slasher movies, I think Halloween is a cut above the rest. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. That kind of like, um, like fired off all my sensors. <laughs> I know. Because it's all about suspense, you know? And that's... Yes. It like, it's not just about gratuitous violence. It's about... Um, and in fact, there's not much gratuitous violence in the movie. But well, it is... hardly any blood. Yeah, hardly any at all. It's just all about that, that build and that intensity. And so much of that is that score. So you are yes. 100% correct. All right. My last snub is oh in the best screenplay category. I'm throwing in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. This is the, the remake Donald Sutherland version. And I think this is so much better than the original Body Snatchers. This is just a really good horror sci-fi um, uh, multi-genre film. I think it's super good, and the screenplay. Because I feel like this movie could really like be sort of dopey and like silly, but they take it so seriously, and it it really becomes believable too. And I think a lot of that is the writing. I that's kind of where I'm. I was trying to find like what other category you could probably sneak this into, and I think screenplay just feels the most correct for Body Snatchers. Uh, but with that being said, I think the performances are all great. I love Donald Sutherland and everything he's ever done. Um, but yeah, I think it's the writing that I'm most impressed with in this remake. You know, it's it's funny. I was just, um, I guest starred on another podcast called Art House Garage, um, where uh, I am talking this month about movies uh, in queer cinema. Um, and we talked about the children's hour. Um, and that, one of the, titular um children in the film um is played by veronica cartwright who plays um who's one of the four leads yes 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 the female in the 78 and i love uh i i love careers like hers because it like it's like children's hour she's in the birds she plays the younger sister in the birds and then she's in invasion of the body snatchers and alien later um and then she plays jack's mom on will and grace so like that's such a great i love that kind of career um that is a great career i love that and her sister and her sister's brigitta in the sound of music oh my god (laughs) wild isn't that like such a journey anyway um but i you've mentioned three movies that i love so brilliant you agree all right so um, what about you do you have any snubs for this year you know, I do I do have some snubs. Okay. Um, now, I'm going to tell you something right off the bat here. I am not <laughs> very much of a superhero movie person. I see where this is going. Yep, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I do not line up to go see the new Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I don't go to the DC movies outside of 
I, I the Christopher Nolan stuff, you know, Batman movies, I right. I was there for. But you know, I mean, like otherwise, it's just not really my thing. Um, but I'll tell you what is my thing. Christopher Reeve as Superman is my thing, yeah. <laughs> and Superman the movie is the first of its kind, and it holds up incredibly well. And there is nothing to me more exciting than being in a movie theater and hearing those first few notes of the John Williams theme. Um, And, like, it's one of the all-time great opening credit sequences of all time. Um, And truly the the like the movie poster alone that says you'll believe a man can fly like that gives me chills and um i love 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 the end of the movie where he flies out into space and then he breaks the fourth wall looks at the camera winks and flies away it's just like i love it so much and i'm not i mean like i'm not saying that he's better than anybody listed in this best actor category. Sure. I'm just saying, did anybody else pull off a dual role better than him this year? (laughs) You're not not saying it either. (laughs) I'm not not saying it, but I can at least maybe make a good argument for like Gene Hackman for supporting actor, because he's really great in the film. Um, for playing Lex Luthor. I also think that there is a legitimate argument that this movie is as good as any of the five nominated for Best Picture. Mm. Listen, okay. there's at least two there's up a category. for Best Picture that I can throw away. But yeah, go ahead. I, I know it's not unnominated. I know that Superman is represented here. It probably should have won score, but it's fine. Um, I'm just saying that I think uh, what is probably viewed as a popcorn movie, particularly in the canon of often subpar superhero films we have gotten through the years, holds up very, very well and is actually a legitimately good movie. Um, yeah. I mean, you've got me. Who's got you? I mean, like, come on. <laughs> classic. It's a classic. So I don't know how to place that snub, but I'm putting that putting that title there um now (laughs) (laughs) yes i love agatha christie yes (laughs) i love agatha christie adaptations even when they're not great Mm -hmm. and death on dial is not great but you know what death on nile has i do a lot of great supporting performances. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One in Literally, particular, I'm guessing. I, I We'll get there. Tim, the tip. I, <laughs> it's got Angela Lansbury. It's got Mia Farrow. It's got um, uh, uh, Olivia Hussey, David Niven, Maggie Smith. Um, it is a stacked cast. Um, and I, I'm not going to nominate Betty Davis for Best Supporting Actor, but I will say um, that yes, I think somebody 
<laughs> Somebody should be represented. Like, Angela would be great here. You know, because I really like her in the film. Right. Um, the reason I am mentioning this is I have seen California Sweet. Maggie Smith is great in California Sweet. She's the only thing about California Sweet that I like because the rest of the movie is a schlog. Yes, it is. And I, as great as she is in the movie, I almost would rather she win for, like, Death on an Isle because at least it's a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It is... It's... in having Neil Simon be nominated for an adapted screenplay Oscar for California Suite when California yeah. Suite is not a good movie. And certainly it's screenplay. Like, oh, it's just, it's really, really terrible. You know, you like everybody in the cast. And, uh, I mean, except for Bill Cosby for retroactive reasons. Um, Yes, of course. um, But, but like, Walter Matthau, Elaine May, Richard Pryor, uh, Maggie Smith. You know, you're like, this is so Alan Alda. You're like, this is going to be such a good time. And then it's a Neil Simon adaptation that is like a schlog. And it yes. makes me upset. It I makes totally... me upset as a movie. And it shouldn't yeah. be nominated for anything. I Yeah, I, I, can, <laughs> I can jump on board with that about 98%. That final 2% for me, my heart stays with Maggie Smith. Um, and this is actually great. Unless you have any more snubs... This is actually my spotlight, <laughs> so we can transition into that if you're ready. Okay, go ahead. Are you talking? About, are you going to talk about how Maggie Smith is the only good thing in California Sweet? That is, that is literally okay. <laughs> my my whole thing here with yes, with my spotlight this week is on Maggie Smith in California Sweet. I wanted to talk we'll about. We'll talk her. about. There's irony yes. in it, so feel free to highlight yes, that. Yes, totally. Please. I wanted okay. to talk about this because. You know, we, we kind of didn't really talk about Maggie Smith in 1969 when she won Leading Actress for uh, Prime and Miss Jean Brody. And this is the last chance we actually have to talk about a Maggie Smith win. And I think we have to do her some justice here because Maggie Smith is just a treasure. And this may not be, I don't think this is in her top five performances, but this is a genius performance because we get to see her doing comedy and she is such an underrated comedian. She is so funny. And what you were just saying earlier, there is some irony in this role. She is the only Oscar winner to win for playing an Oscar loser. And it, I just eat that up. I think, like you were saying earlier, her segments of this film are the only reason to watch this movie. Her and Michael Caine are just so, so funny. But there's just a couple of things that I want to like highlight on this performance here. Or just some of the bits of humor that she uh, she does here that are just so genius. There's this hilarious part where she's getting ready for the Oscar ceremony in their hotel room in the actual suite. Um, and she's wearing this dress and she's been trying to like put it on correctly. And she looks at herself in the mirror and she just stares at herself and she goes, Oh my God, I look like Richard III. There's this like hump on the back of her shoulder and it's just so funny. <laughs> And she's like, you know, she just plays into that so well. It's so good. Um, yeah. And there's I mean, this other great bit, brilliant. too, where she's talking about how she had to, like, fly from London 
to LA for the ceremony and she complains that she's like, why do I have to fly here for the ceremony? Glenda Jackson never comes and she's nominated every damn year. And I'm just like, that is such a funny little like like actual piece of Oscar history that is true and they tied into this movie and I think that is just, mm, that's genius. Um, but yeah, I mean, she is the only reason to her. see this movie. Uh, and I love it too because it's actually like a true supporting part. You know, there's no category fraud here. And it's a funny part. And I love it when Oscar gives awards for comedic performances. So yeah. that's my only better that's movie, my Sam. sense on I mean, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. You are. <laughs> yes, totally. Uh, but justice for Maggie, movie. I think she's genius. Justice for Maggie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think anybody's out there like trying to take it away from her. I don't think that <laughs> And also when she like, How dare when she you? won this Oscar, yeah, when she won this Oscar, she had a great thing on her acceptance speech where she says something along the lines of, "I've won two Oscars now, and I don't know the first thing about acting on film." <laughs> like work. <laughs> but I mean, genius. girl, you are so good at it. She's so good. That is redundant. U A H. She is actually. Um, she's gone on record saying, because people have asked her about like her craft and her approach to acting, her method, and she says, I don't talk about it. I refuse to talk about it because if I, she's afraid that if she talks about her method and her way of acting, then it'll stop working. And I'm like, that's valid. Good for you. Don't tell us your secrets, whatever. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> she has her own, she has her own method. She does. She does. It's just the, the Maggie Smith. She'll start an acting school. When she's ninety five, and I will join, and, and everyone will be have to sign the NDA. True, know, true, true, true. You cannot talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah, can't ah. talk about it. Um, okay, what about you? Is there gee. anything that you want to spotlight this year? Oh, gee, Sam, I um, <laughs> you know, I I have a lot of feelings about this year. Most of them negative, and um, sure. Sure, and uh, and and in talking about um, the movies that that you spoke of, Superman, Death on the Nile, I added to that. Um, there's just like there's there's not there's not much for rants in 1978. It was a, a very unrancy year. Um, but um, I'm very glad that you brought up. If I'm gonna say anything positive about 1978 i will say that it is a great year for the evolution of horror movies yes and both um and i'm not even a huge horror fan but both halloween and uh invasion of the body snatchers are great films i think truly great films um i like the original invasion of the body snatchers i do but I think the the remake just takes the concept and takes it in a totally different direction. And that's what you have to do with a remake for it to be good. You have to, like, put your own spin on it. And it does that in a way that's terrifying. And the last scene of that oh, yes. movie mm. is one of my favorite endings. And I guess this kind of brings into the conversation the idea that uh, the Academy is not big on horror movies um, mm-hmm. and doesn't really respect them as a genre um, and that is a little disappointing because I do think that um, there is a legitimate argument that both 
Halloween, and I think especially Invasion of the Body Snatchers, are pieces of art that yes. are worthy of inclusion in a conversation about the greatest of a year. Mm, and I applaud you. So that kind of works it into snubs I, as much as it does into spotlighting, but um, yeah. I... Uh, I do truly think that um, I, I the first time I watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I was I was blown away. Like I thought it was yeah. so 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 good. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And Donald Sutherland is so good in that movie, um, and uh, the music is great in that film. Yes, uh, just the entire there's like a just so much icky tension and. Um, and uh, I mean, like you, the as I said, the last scene, but that last shot of Donald Sutherland, mm. hmm? you will not get out of your head ever, ever in your life. Poor Vanessa Cartwright. Very true. <laughs> yeah, um, I I totally agree with you. Beautiful. Let's do it. Let's move on to the, let's let's do it. Get into the Deer Hunter. So this is okay. the year of Vietnam. This is the year this of This is Vietnam. it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, very true. Yeah, it really did kind of come down to, you know, the final two movies vying for best picture were definitely The Deer Hunter and Jane Fonda's Coming Home. Um, two movies about Vietnam. Two movies kind of dealing with the aftermath of Vietnam and returning home from war. But they both take very different approaches. Um they really, really do. And, you know, I've been trying to think to myself, like, which one would I have voted for? Which one do I prefer? And the, the answer is neither. I think both are just brutal films to watch in the first place. I really wouldn't return to watch either of them. But if we're going what, on, like, what the merits... Movie, what movie... What are the, are, or is there one of the other three movies you would choose? Um... No. <laughs> okay. No. Not at all. This, would you choose one of the other things we've mentioned because you like? Yeah, I more? totally would. I absolutely would. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, no, I like heaven. Yeah. I don't think you like it, but I like heaven can wait. Like I think it's yeah. a fun movie. I really, really didn't like that movie. I don't know what it was about. I don't. I don't know. I just don't know if like is that it the brand football? of it's football, right? It's, it you don't could like be the football. I I don't <laughs> know. I just really found it to be, and I know it's like absurdist, and it's not supposed to be be believable. But I found it really messy and really sloppy. And uh, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I, I also didn't think it was funny. I didn't think it was funny It's a at remake. All. It's a remake it is, of a yes. movie called, uh, a movie called uh, Here Comes Mr. Jordan. Mr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here totally. Comes Mr. Jordan, I, I think you would like more. It's like a, it's a, a more structured, cleaner, uh, tighter version of yeah. Heaven Can Wait. So you probably would yeah. like that. I don't know but, what um, happened with Heaven Can Wait. Who who they jumped into bed with to get all these nominations. I don't understand a single one of their acting nominations. What's weird em. to me... Um, well, I love Diane Cannon, so I don't mind. Um, but uh, I've met her. We're friends. So, um, <laughs> so you're only um, a little biased. <laughs> but I will say like a mild snub here, maybe. I don't understand how it, the boatload of nominations came in, and yet we did not get a nomination for uh, 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 Julie Christie. J- 
No. Um, no. <laughs> good Lord, why can't I think of names right now? Um, James Mason um, for oh, Best sh- Supporting okay. Actor. Because I feel like he has the best supporting performance. But that part in the original Sam is played by Claude Rains. Oh, yeah. So then I automatic... already like it more. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know you'll love it. So, Yeah, anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I you can toss out every nomination Heaven Can Wait got and put in Body Snatchers or, you know what I mean? My God, Superman. I don't care. Any other movie. I just, blah, that movie has nothing in it for me. Um, but it really did come down to these two Vietnam movies. And I want to talk a little bit about how Coming Home and The Deer Hunter are similar and different and kind of what the conversation was about these two. They really went at each other, especially Jane Fonda was just... Mm-hmm. You know, she has gone, she was making a lot of speeches, actively protesting against the deer hunter, which I think is a little silly because when people asked her if she'd watched it, she said no. And I don't really think she had a place to talk about the deer hunter until she had seen it. But whatever, whatever. A lot of what she was saying was true, though. But yeah, but they take different approaches. So we have coming home, which is, you know, it, it takes a very direct stance on the Vietnam War. It is through and through anti-war film top to bottom it's very pro like vietnam war veterans and that's kind of what they're trying to highlight here we need to take care of our veterans when they come back dealing with ptsd um whereas this is a very the- important movie in jane fonda's history too because yeah jane fonda at this point was specifically choosing films that were socially conscious but she also had run into a lot of negative feedback um, from events we've discussed previously on the podcast. Um, And, uh, and she needed to be, uh, she needed to be clear in her stance on respecting and supporting uh, troops and veterans and, uh, and doing that while still staying true to her beliefs and her message um, is something she was able to do through coming home. And that, um, I think that's not only, uh, an important part of, um, of her, of, for America and its healing from this war, but, um, it's also an important part of kind of the rehabilitation of Jane Fonda as a movie star in, Mm -hmm. in the late seventies. And, um, interestingly, the movie does have rehab in it. (laughs) <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, so. no, that's it's very true. All of that is totally true, and that kind of goes into play with what the conversation was about these two movies vying for Best Picture, because the main difference is the treatment of the North Vietnamese people. You know, in The Deer Hunter, we get, uh, you know, a, character, a caricature version of North Vietnamese people and how they're, you know, just terrible and playing with Russian roulette and kind of just making them out to be totally enemies. They're one-dimensional. Whereas in Coming Home, they really try to paint war itself as the enemy. And there's no, like, you know, the North Vietnamese people aren't good, they're not bad. Americans aren't good, they're not bad. War is bad. That's the problem. And that's kind of where we have, they start to split away, you know? The Deer Hunter is also incredibly slice of life. You know, it's really just, you stumble into these characters' lives during three highly impressionable moments in their lives. And I, I, I want to ask you this, too. 
I was finding myself as I was watching the Deer Hunter, rewatching it. I was like, you know what? I I started to kind of forget all of their names about two hours into the film because they're all just very generic. It's like Mike and Linda and Nick, you know, very just generic yeah. names. And I realized Robo I was names. like, to me, I was like, I think that might be the point. These characters are supposed to kind of represent all working class Could be anybody. people. Yeah. yeah, you know, and you could kind of see anybody in these roles, you know, and think, uh, they're discussing them coming back. Yeah. Coming home feels like more of a, a Vietnam response in the vein of best years of our lives. Yes. You know, because yeah, um, I think that that's ultimately an anti-war film. Yep. Personally. Um, and dealing with PTSD. Yeah. And dealing with PTSD. Um, the Deer Hunter is is a confusing one because I don't know if the movie itself, uh, which I don't think that this is necessarily a bad thing. I don't mm-hmm. think the movie itself has a position on no. whether or not it, how it feels about the war, which, I mean, that itself can be a point because, you know, I, I felt like watching it while I was watching it that... Um, the message was maybe something that uh, the people who protesting it didn't pick up on as much. I, I didn't feel it was necessarily a pro-war film. I thought it was showing the violence and ruthlessness that that becomes of people when they're, you know, messed up by war. And certainly there are elements of PTSD in there a lot of elements of PTSD in there. Um, and it's horrific and horrible and it does not make you want to go to war. That said, it does so in some ways that are, I think a little more removed from reality. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. I'm not saying that that level of violence does not happen in war. I'm certainly it does. But it is played in a very stereotypical, you know, um, way that just basically is painting an enemy to not have a soul. Right. Completely non-empathetic. And I think that's where the problem in the narrative comes. Yeah, let's actually get into that. I want to talk about this. You're you're sort of getting into the Russian roulette aspect of the yeah. Deer Hunter, which was the most controversial part of the film for everybody. Now and this happens doing in some the first digging, the, the famous scene, the famous Russian roulette. Russian roulette comes throughout the movie, but the famous scene, just so anyone who hasn't seen it is afraid of being spoiled, the famous scene happens in the first half. So yes, anyway, yeah, definitely. And um, doing some digging, I was reading about this, and Michael, uh, is it? Chimino? Is that how you pronounce his name? I I think that's how I've heard it before. I think it is too. I think it's yeah. Chimino. We'll go with that. If I'm wrong, I'm very sorry. Um, but he went on record saying how, you know, he had come across a news article about where 20 people died from playing Russian roulette during the war. And then people try to press and be like, where did this news source come from? And he's like, I don't remember. So if it's true or not, I don't really know. It, it seems more of like a, uh, just a way to show how brutal war can be to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious, what do you think about them using Russian roulette in this film? Does it work as like a metaphor for you? Because to me, I kind of took it as war 
is so pointless and so random. The violence mm-hmm. is so random. It's, you know, akin to playing Russian roulette, where it doesn't make any sense. Everyone's going to die eventually. Why are we even doing it in the first place? That's kind of the metaphor I took. What did you kind of feel about the Russian roulette? And I do you think, think it was the, necessary? I think- I think the controversy has more to do with the stereotypical setup of it and the fact that you are villainizing North Vietnamese people um, in the setup. And I think that that's something that could have been addressed in the screenplay where it was more of like a group effort, if that makes sense. You know, like, yes, Uh they're the captives, but if... Uh, maybe there was there there could have possibly been a way to show it as like a two-way street if that makes any sense um i don't know i i don't know how you set it up in a way where they're still prisoners of war and yet you know i i don't know how you do it but um but that said i mean like if you take that out of the movie i don't don't know what's left because true it really is like a catalyst for the whole second half of the film I mean, like, and it's the end of the movie too. I mean, and like, it's the it's, very end of the movie too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's literally the um, it's literally the the thread that holds it all together. Totally, and know? that's why I'm saying that I don't I don't think I, that I Michael Cimino set out. Right. Yeah, like yeah. I don't think he set out to use Russian roulette to stereotype the North Vietnamese people. I think he was using it to prove his anti-war stance and i think it just got lost because uh, i mean let's be honest like there is no dimension to those characters there's none they well they aren't you know they're they're, they're not characters they're just they're they're things there but i I think that that's that's i think that that is an issue that for me kind of as much time as we spend with these characters i I I didn't I don't know I didn't care about them I didn't feel for them me either and I want to okay good this is going to be my next point that I want to talk to you about yeah. I felt the exact same way and I think for me it was because we jump in time in this movie like twice after the wedding right to Vietnam then after that we jump to them coming back right yeah and to me those jumps in time were it was just too quick Right? Like, we, mm-hmm. I just felt like we lost mm-hmm. a lot of the in-between scenes to develop our relationship with these characters. And, yeah. you know, like, the wedding is over, and then all of a sudden, we're not even just seeing them getting to Vietnam, starting war. They're already prisoners of war. They're already playing Russian roulette, you know? So it's like, we just, to me, it was too much of a jump, you know? It was I needed really those, like we went those merging scenes. From, we went straight from everything, the wedding and that stuff straight to Russian roulette. And that, that's a jarring jump, you know? That's, jarring. That's the word I wanted to use, yes. And it's so <laughs> interesting because I feel like so much time is wasted in that opening section mm-hmm. um, where which could have been trimmed down so significantly and replaced with scenes that help to transition from one yeah. place to another. Um because I feel like there's a lot of beats that don't come off as powerfully as they should because yeah. we we're missing we're missing some character development which is just so funny because we spend so much time in that opening section developing these characters and yet I don't think that the right I I don't think I maybe it's cuz there's too many people 
Yeah. You know, and they don't have enough time to spend on each one, you know, because um, I, I just like I found myself just kind of forgetting about people because they'd be away for long stretches and then we'd come back and I would like lose. I was like, wait, did they go to war too? Did yes, they that I not? was very much like, why did yeah. only half the friends go to war? They didn't explain why that happened no. and some didn't go. You know, I was very confused too. It was very there confused. is a lot of left open ended and I don't know if that was his point. You know, I mean I understand why you know, the the setup of that and how he wants us to like spend the first, you know, a twenty four hour time period with these characters for us to like feel like we're part of the gang or so but like but yeah you're right it also, wasn't very effective you know like going back to something like the best years of our lives which is also a longer movie not as long as this movie but a longer movie um it uh you know we get camaraderie between those main three characters in like a couple of scenes and we know that they have spent an entire day together before they arrive back home but we have everything we need to know their connection mm-hmm. for the rest of the film. You don't actually have to sit in time with characters yeah. <laughs> to develop totally. that. It's just about a tight, well-written screen. Apparently there was a version of this movie that was previewed that was a half an hour shorter. And they oh. went with the longer version. Huh. But I want to see the version that's 30 minutes shorter. Yeah, I'm actually wonder, <laughs> wondering if that plays a little better. And I think, you know, here's the deal. I think that some of the beats, some of the jumps and times and beats might have actually played better had we not had so much wasted material in the film. Because yeah. there's so much extra that you kind of, uh, that there's, the pacing isn't there, you know? It just, like... Oh, yeah. Like, so okay, one of the... jump in yeah. time, it's like, what happened? We are we have this super long movie. Why are we suddenly jumping in time? <laughs> a great example to me where I was like, this is just dragging on. You're kind of beating a dead horse was when, after the wedding, when they go hunting together for the last time, and they yeah. stop, and the one guy gets out to pee, and then they get back in the car, and they drive away, leaving him there... And then they, they reverse the car to come back, and he thinks he's going to get back in the car. And then they drive off again, and they come back again. They speed off again. I was like, okay, we get it. We get it. Can we get to the next scene, please? I mean, <laughs> it just really. like You know, and like we, we see know you all, all of it. Like, mm. We know you all think that you can sit in the moment the way American Graffiti does, but you can't all do it. No, very true. <laughs> Being like a slice-of-life movie, it takes a certain type of screenplay, certainly a story, and the right characters to make these slice of life movies work. And I just don't think Chimino pulls it off with the deer hunter. How do you, know, you feel I don't about think he does. Christopher Walken winning? I have gone back and forth on this as well. I think he does a good job. And he's good. I don't think there's anything bad about his performance. Yeah. I feel like he clinches the Oscar in that thing, scene. Not a him thing. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. I it's think screenplay where his editing. Oscar moment, yeah. yeah, his Oscar moment comes in when you know after the war, after he's out, and the uh, one of like the doctors I think comes up to him and is like, "Tell me who your parents are," and then he just like breaks down. You know, he has like that huge breakdown. Um, yeah. And like I, yeah, it's yeah, fine. It's fine. It's fine. I, I don't know. I guess I wanted more, and then all of a sudden, like you know, then we're at the end of the film and. There he goes. And it's like, okay. I guess I wanted more of him. I don't know. I felt like there could have been more. Definitely there could have been more between him and De Niro. Like, I think we're supposed to feel like their friendship is what 
were most like um, we're supposed and yet to be the most time attached we spend, to. The, the time we spend with them together most is in that horrific Russian roulette scene, and that's that's like the only connection we have for them. Their connection exactly. is this violence. And, and so, like even in the first ha- the first hour of the film when they have the wedding and the aftermath, like they seem like they're really close friends, but then they also kind of seem like they don't really get each other. <laughs> but know? they're also into they're... the same they're into the same girl, so that's kind of And they're weird. the same girl, the whole Meryl um, Streep of it all. Yes. I know, which we should I th- I would say the best performance in the film by far, of course. <laughs> Is Meryl Streep, and uh, she's given very her. little to do, but she does a great job with what yes. she does. Well, this is another um, example. This is one of the first examples where they let her craft her own dialogue, and they do the same thing next year for Kramer versus Kramer. And you under you see how 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 like perfectly Meryl Streep understands character. She oh she does gets it. She just gets it. You know she you knows know, what to say. With very little screen time, with very few close ups, even. Um, mm-hmm. Meryl Streep does manage to create a, I think, more of a lasting impression than anything except shots of people shooting themselves do in yeah. this movie. You know, absolutely, absolutely. And there's something to be said too about you know we we've been discussing how the whole soldiers returning home from war, how that affects everything. You know, and the Deer Hunter does a good job, I think, mm-hmm. of showing us how it really affects the people you left at home, right? I think Best Years of Our Lives does yeah. a good job of that. Yeah, And I think this movie does, especially with the character of I believe Linda. the small town, too. I believe the... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. I, I don't... It's a, it's a complicated movie, because I'm not sure... Kind of like when we talked about Patton, where yeah. you had the fatigue of World War II movies. Very um, much. This is the beginning of our Vietnam movie phase, and I'm already yeah. over it. Um, <laughs> Viet, well, I mean, Vietnam is like such a it, like World it's War a different II. War. They're, it's a different war. World War it II is a different is, war. Isn't a is something that I think well, very few yeah. people don't think was necessary. Vietnam is a war that I'd say most people think was unnecessary in retrospect, and and so the horrors of it are so much harder to have to look at. Because yeah. it's just senseless violence. There is we're not stopping a, a, a clear evil or anything like that. We just got involved in a messy, messy war. Yeah, you know, very true. And also, and, I will say this as well. I feel like, especially with these Vietnam films that we're going to be getting into now that we're out of the um, production code era, you know, we can kind of show more violence and stuff. Like that's why I think these Vietnam films really feel more brutal than the World War II films we got, which are incredibly brutal, but they were still couldn't show quite the detail more that we can get into here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. This is and yeah, and and I have to say I I do not have a strong stomach for violence. And for I found people blowing their heads away. off. <laughs> I found myself looking away from the screen. A lot. I okay. I am with you on that, especially yeah. the first Russian roulette scenes. I was just oh, like, oh, so I was like covering my eyes. I'm like, so I don't much see blood. it. I don't want to see it. It's so much blood. It's hard to watch. My heart was starting to raise. So I mean, I guess like it definitely does its job I, of making like, you sick to your stomach with war. And I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not saying this to be political, but I am. 
very anti-gun. And so, like, the level of gun in this movie was just very uncomfortable for me. Very, Um, So, you know, which I I mean, again, probably part of the point. This does not feel like it's a pro-gun movie. This is a movie that is showing, like, look how senseless this is. Yeah. But at the same time, but again, like, mixed messaging is there throughout and i um yeah i think so and i think part of that too is a part of the mixed messaging i was kind of the final question i wanted to ask you the very end of the movie when they're all around the table together those that are still alive and they sing god bless america what did you feel of that ending moment god bless america land that i love Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. I feel like it was supposed to be ironic. Okay, me too, me too, me too. Yeah, I mean, I... Especially because they're also sad when they're singing it, (laughs) you know? They just... Yeah, totally. I do not think that this is a pro-war movie. I don't think this is a pro-violence or a pro-gun movie. It's... um, Yeah, me too. It's probably something that, at a root, I agree with the thesis of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not something I particularly enjoy. <laughs> oh, and absolutely. Not something this that I, hard. Something that I think has some structural issues, mm-hmm. but is also just something that is unpleasant for me to personally watch. I agree. So would you, would you recommend this movie? <laughs> um... I mean, like, I don't want to put anyone through this. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> it is on Peacock, though, if you... That is where I watched it, yes. yes That's yes, where yes. I watched it. And if you watch their two minutes of trailers before you watch the movie, then you get it commercial-free, so... <laughs> Work. Okay, okay, let's, uh, let's conclude this. What is your best picture of 1978 if you had to choose one and it doesn't need to be from these these crop of five just give me the one that you would throw in there for your best picture uh, superman the movie <laughs> Ooh, that's kind of what i thought you were going to say yeah i really like it and i, I a lot of it has to do with my crush on christopher Lee reeve but it's fine i love that you know for me i'm gonna have to go with uh, it's very strange. I didn't think this is what I was going to choose, but it's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I think that's my best I movie of 78. I support yeah. it. 78's a weird year. We It, it really is. Yeah. It's a weird year. <laughs> it's a weird year. I feel, like, I feel like next week we'll probably have a better time. I think so. So what are we getting into next week? What are we going to talk next about, Next week, we have the last uh, year of the 70s. Um, and we are going to discuss another movie that has a supporting performance from one Miss Meryl Streep. It is Kramer versus Kramer. Oh, I cannot wait to talk about this movie. So join us next week, guys, and we will break down 1979. God bless America, my Lord.